Rob Ripley, partner and head of Gowling WLG's Intellectual Property Group in Vancouver. We partner with clean tech companies at every stage of the business lifecycle, from research and development to expansion into new markets. From securing IP protection to developing an innovation protection plan, we combine extensive IP experience with industry insight and a global platform to help protect your ideas and accelerate your growth. Visit our website at gowlingwlg.com to learn more. Hey, welcome back. This is BIV Today, and I'm reporter Tyler Orton here at Business in Vancouver. And today it is part two of our ongoing discussion about the role of the clean tech sector here in British Columbia, especially as we see the pandemic unfolding and the economic opportunities that are presenting our, itself as we consider how climate change really is you know, affecting the world that we live in. With us today for this discussion, it is Anna Stukas. She is Vice President of Business Development at Carbon Engineering. We also have with us Jeanette Jackson. She is the CEO of the Foresight Clean Tech Accelerator Center. And we also have lawyer Rock Ripley. He is a partner at Gowling and he also specializes in the technology sector as well as intellectual property. I want to thank all three of you guys for joining us for part two of this discussion. I'll, I'll just jump right into it here because I, I think there's kind of a question that a lot of people are, are you know, um, rubbing their chins at and it's whether or not we are scaling at a rate in order to meet a lot of the targets that have been set out either domestically or globally. And perhaps if we're not, what can we do to actually meet a lot of those targets using technology? Um, you know, Anna, maybe I'll throw it over to you first. What, what's your take on, on this question that many are asking right now? Well, I would, I would say from a, a starting point, there's a hard no. We are absolutely not scaling at the rate that we need to in order to meet our targets. And one of the reasons why I think we aren't scaling at that rate is because it is far too easy to commit to a target in 2050 when, you know, many of us have hopefully retired and it's our children's problem that it fails to incentivize early adoption, early action. It is far too easy to push it off to being tomorrow's problem. Uh, so I think what we need in part to incentivize that scale up is to have meaningful, tangible targets in the near term that actually force us to take action. And those need to be complemented by the right incentives. Combination of carrots and sticks, both policy and regulatory to drive uh, decarbonization as well as uh, funding and support for innovation and in particular support for commercialization. Do you get the sense, Jeanette, that maybe governments could be doing more to incentivize those things that uh, Anna just laid out for us a second ago? Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with Anna that it's a pretty strong no, um, that we are not doing enough. Um, incentives definitely play one role. I think policy more broadly does as well. Sometimes governments get a little too into the how, not the what, and they don't sort of put enough, um, they don't put enough strict measures on to, to really make sure that industry is moving. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a policy wonk. I come at this from a very entrepreneurial perspective. Thankfully, on, on the Foresight team, we have folks that love policy. The reality is it comes up way more than I'd like. Uh, the two things that I think we need to do is get much harder and more progressive on policy and regulation, but also look at sort of the capital structure to help fund both projects and innovators that are providing and developing solutions that can help us meet those targets. 
Um, the reality is some of the later stage companies, they still can't find enough funding to scale up, even though they've got customers and MOUs and some great metrics that would kind of usually indicate that it's a pretty good you know, investment opportunity. Now that's shifted a little bit over the last six months because of, I think, COVID and people are saying, you know, regulation is getting a little bit more progressive. So things are moving in the right direction, but there's also some risk capital issues that we have. Um, the IEA, you know, has cl clearly outlined that for our energy transition, over 35% of the targets will not be met unless we get some of the early innovators now scaling, you know, 10 to 20 times more faster than they already are. And that, quite frankly, requires some risk capital and a serious investment from, from a government perspective. Um, and of course, policy frameworks also often excite uh, investors in industry to make moves. So uh, when there's confidence in the regional, uh, in the region that, that you're investing in or that you're making an industrial move in to become more competitive, whether it's set up a facility or a shop, whatever it might be, if the policy frameworks are there, money will come to the table as well. So it's, it's not an easy challenge that we're up against, but uh, I think we're seeing a lot of things come together that can move us in the right direction. Well, Rock, from your perspective, though, when you're dealing with um, why is it that they're being British Columbia? Well, why is this kind of a jurisdiction that's, you know, makes sense for them to, whether it's recruit talent or develop technologies? Why, why is this a good jurisdiction? Uh, well, BC is a good jurisdiction, um, I think, in particular for technology and clean tech for several reasons. Uh, one, um, good universities, uh, good labor force, uh, relative to the US, our immigration policies, particularly recently, are a little friendlier. Um, in clean tech in particular, we have a history of the sector uh, in the city and the province. Um, I mean, of course, with Ballard, with fuel cells, um, uh, but not just that. Uh, the, the number of, or the amount of diversity we have in the region, I mean, Jeanette could talk about water treatment. I know Foresight has been in the news recently about that. Um, alternative energy, carbon capture, we could go on for a long time. So I think we've got an industry that has a history, that has a good foundation, um, but that still needs to do a lot of work scaling up. Um, and then we've got the geographical advantage of being um, pretty well located time zone wise. Uh, uh, next to and and uh, uh, in pretty decent proximity uh, to several markets uh, north of the US and California. Um, as, as close as you get to China without <laughs> without being in Asia and and uh, equidistant to Europe too. So we've got a confluence of several factors. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the uh, financial side of things. Obviously, carbon engineering has quite a few of uh, high-profile investors there. And Jeanette had just brought up, you know, the need to get some of that risk capital in. Um, but maybe going back to those capital raises, though, is there uncertainty right now amongst investors uh, just because of what the pandemic has brought on? But we also have say, all-time low interest rates that might induce investment. I, I'm just thinking there's like multiple different factors that could be at play to either incentivize capital or else maybe make people a little bit wary of investment. I'm just wondering um, if either Anna or Jeanette could address kind of the thought process going you know, um, investments that are needed right now to make this a very successful clean tech sector in British Columbia. 
Anna, do you want to go or shall, shall I? I? I was going to say, I mean, we are, we're in a very lucky position that we were able to close our last round before this uncertainty. And we aren't currently trying to raise money in the midst of all of this uncertainty. I can only imagine having previously been in the middle of trying to raise money when the stock market crashed in 2008, that companies that are faced with trying to drive to close on investments right now are in a very challenging position. Um, partly because some of the, the best capital available for incentivizing adoption of clean tech has also been hit very hard by the pandemic. If you look at the energy sector, if you look at the aviation sector, there's sectors that have been hit hard. And so those potential strategic investors are likely going to be wary to deploy capital. Uh, so then I think it comes to getting a bit creative about where you're looking, uh, looking at what the appetite is in the venture capital community and where government can play a role. Uh, things like the Strategic Innovation Fund and uh, the BC Strategic Investment Fund that was just announced that we hope we'll see roll out. I, it's an area where government can really help uh, by stepping up there. And again, to what Jeanette said, it's about the what, not the how. Anytime that governments try and get into the range of being prescriptive and telling industry how something is going to happen, innovation is going to outpace the regulations. It's really important for government to look at setting performance-based targets uh, and then allowing industry and innovation to figure out the best way of getting there, uh, but making sure that they're providing that support that's available along the way. Yeah. Jeanette, what, what is the sense that you get right now, especially as you're dealing with so many of these you know, companies that are maybe ready to scale or they're ready to take that next uh, form of you know, growth in terms of investment? Yeah, what, I mean, uh, we fundamentally believe that if you have a strong team, a strong value proposition and a smart business model that you can raise money anytime. Um, and if I put my entrepreneur hat on, I was one of the companies that was able to raise money in 2008 when the crash came. So uh, it is possible. But what we are seeing is we are seeing some downward pressures on valuations. And obviously, it's easier to vet and do your due diligence on uh, technology companies that you can see and touch. So there's a little bit of a delay. The timing that it takes to close this around is going to be a little bit longer unless you're doing more digital clean tech and things like that. Um, and as Anna, you know, started to dive into there, the opportunity to leverage private capital with the, you know, broad amount of, of program funding that's available, methane, you know, uh, oil well abatement, um, there's lots of different initiatives in different streams, built environment was part of the new $10 billion uh, federal program. So if your story has, uh, something exciting that relates to some of the programs out there, then you can probably start to factor in some some private capital leverage. And, and finally, um, you know, the VCs, if you look at the numbers are active. So there, there are deals are happening. Uh, PwC's recent report came out and I'm only referencing uh, just a recent one because it's top of mind, uh, you know, but uh, the numbers are looking pretty good. Deals are getting done and we get tons of outreach from different investment groups looking to, um, looking to make investments. 
I'll close off on this uh, from my perspective as well. You know, while some of the recent announcements on programming are interesting, there are additional tools that, and it depends on your um, jurisdiction, right? Federally, things like flow through tax credits for clean tech companies, um, perhaps the capital gains exemptions on clean tech investments. There's lots of things that different levels of government can do to, uh, you know, get some, some more private capital flowing. Well, guys, uh, we'll wrap up the uh, discussion in just a moment here, but I, I think uh, I'll throw this to all three of you. And if you guys want to think about this for a second, but you know, it, just in terms of your optimism for the industry, where does it stand right now versus where it stood a year ago versus where it stood, say, six or seven months ago when the pandemic uh, first hit us? Um, you know, uh, maybe, Rock, Rock uh, I'll throw it to you first just about, you know, where you see the clean tech industry going and, and what your feeling is on it overall. Well, better than six or seven months ago, but to be frank, I was pretty <laughs> down six or seven months ago across the board. So, uh, <laughs> um, and I would say uh, generally better than a year ago. And I was pretty high on it a year ago too. I do think that um, this pandemic, in addition to incentivizing some kind of government stimulus to get us out of this recession and with lots of governments identifying clean tech as a sector that could use that stimulus, it has brought about in the zeitgeist a bit of a cultural shift in that, wow, this is the kind of effort it takes to address an international problem without borders. Not just climate change, which is a very big one, but a lot of clean tech um, issues across the board. So I'm hopeful that in addition to the stimulus, which um, I was doing some research and uh, in response to the, uh, a big last round of stimulus after the 08 recession, we saw a lot of increase in clean tech, clean tech activity, uh, patents and otherwise. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that stimulus will happen again. I'm also hopeful the cultural shift will change the mindset to make people understand that, like Anna said, a 50-year time horizon is not going to cut. It's not going to do the trick. We we got to we, we got to hunker down and focus on this. And um, you know, if we're having daily briefings to to deal with an international crisis like COVID, maybe we don't need that for clean tech, but we need something more than an international conference once a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and I, I think, you know, the really interesting thing for me is that one of the few sectors that have really shown a lot of tremendous growth in light of the pandemic has been the tech sector. And I am so excited about the fact that so many of these multinational technology companies, I. Stripe, Shopify, Microsoft, you know, now Amazon and Google getting onto it are making big, substantial commitments toward not only carbon neutrality, but also getting to carbon negative. And they're putting their money where their mouth is. And that to me is tremendously exciting that there is an entire sector that is saying, we recognize there's an urgent need here. We recognize that costs are higher right now. We have the tools available to help to catalyze solutions to climate change and help to drive early adoption that will bring costs down and make these accessible and deployable on a global scale. And that to me is hugely, hugely exciting. Uh, if we couple that with the promises from governments to build back better and invest in green economy, 
not just because it's the right thing to do because we need to solve climate change, but also because it is good for the economy, it's good for diversification, it will generate revenue and increase GDP. I think that combination is really powerful and very exciting. Uh, Jeanette, I'll let you have the, the final word here with regards to uh, your, your position on, I guess, your overall sense of optimism about the clean tech sector here in British Columbia. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, for everyone, I, I know most of the, and both Anna and Rock, and they know me. So they, they know that I pretty much have spent my whole life um, very passionate about the clean tech sector and doing everything we can to make it front and center in most conversations when it comes to economy and social benefits and, and, and over and above the economic benefits. So, you know, coming into the pandemic, extremely excited about the momentum building, com more company scaling, more funding going into the sector policy was getting going. Uh, obviously, you know, come March 15th of this year, you know, complete devastation. We were surveying the companies. They were worried about the number of people they could keep employed. They were worried about revenues, investment opportunities. Um, and I would say that sort of uncertainty stayed for a couple of months. But as we move through summer and now coming into fall, I think what we've shown is that clean, the clean tech sector in BC is resilient and that it is absolutely the best mechanism to increase competitiveness across all sectors as we come out of the pandemic. So making sure that those incentives for industry to go through these transitions, now's the time. And we have the innovation and the capacity to do that now and be, be a global leader. Uh, and of course, from an export perspective, we're seeing other economic recovery packages are very much uh, climate change focused and so the opportunity not only to to transition our local economies to green but as well as export to those markets it's a very very exciting time and it's not a secret that bc has had seven of the hundred you know top global clean tech companies year over year uh, and in canada 12 of those companies so we're we're definitely over delivering and uh, and let's continue to build on that and not let those opportunities and uh, metrics slide so let's keep doing it well, I, I love going off on a note like that. And for now, I just want to thank Anna, Jeanette, and Rock for joining all of us uh, here uh, watching this panel. I, I think it was just a fascinating discussion that we had today. So thank you so much, guys. Um, until next time, I'm Tyler Orton. And joining us today, it was Anna Stukas. She's Vice President of Business Development at Carbon Engineering. We also have Foresight Clean Tech Accelerator Center CEO, Jeanette Jackson, and lawyer Rock Ripley from Dowling. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back on Thursday. Thursday.